And after you've marked song number 767, just keep that songbook out in your lap. I believe you might well need that here in just a few moments as we will be using not only some of the things contained in it, but also some things, of course, contained in, in the New Testament tonight. You may have already noticed the title of the lesson this evening is but one word, Hosanna. And certainly it's a word that may well capture some element of our attention. It sounds like some other things that perhaps others have wondered may rhyme with it. But that's not actually the thought, the idea, the consideration of the lesson tonight. The word Hosanna. This next slide will perhaps move us into the lesson by asking us to reflect a little bit at least on one of the aspects of our worship service. When you and I engage in song, it really should be well noted that those songs are every bit as important as a sermon. We would anticipate that they would be truthful, and we would anticipate that our heart would be within it. Didn't Paul say, I will sing with the Spirit? And therefore, as we eagerly and with some passion sing these beautiful, adorative songs to God, but notice what else is included. I'll sing with the Spirit, and I'll sing with the understanding. It should be our intent then to appreciate the message of the songs, to be able in essence to give a hearty amen to the thrust and the character of it. Isn't it true that in fact in song, teaching and admonishing one another, we are teaching each other, we are in fact urging, warning, admonishing. Well, perhaps that leads us to give some thought to the title of the lesson tonight. Could I invite you to turn to song number 532? Song number 532. In fact, we shall somewhat briefly look at a few of these songs, actually, but I'm just going to call your attention, if I might, to the third verse of this song. As you can well tell, it's a very familiar song to us. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. As you look particularly, though, at the development of verse 3, Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, our blessed Redeemer, heavenly portals loud with Hosanna's ring. Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown Him, crown Him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. May I ask each of us a question? That third verse made note, heavenly portals allowed with Hosanna's ring. What is a Hosanna? Is this important? What does it mean then to, in fact, make statements along that line? What is a Hosanna? What place does it have? What particular matter might be appreciated concerning that song that you and I so often sing? Turn over to song number 383. 383. This is another one of our favorites. Just over in the glory land. The words again exceedingly familiar. Note again just the way verse 1 starts. I have a home prepared where the saints abide just over in the glory land. And I long to be by my Savior's side just over in the glory land. But it is with that in mind. Let's again jump to verse 4. The fourth verse. With a blood-washed throng, I will shout and sing, just over in the glory land, glad hosannas to Christ, the Lord and King, just over in the glory land. May I again ask, what is a hosanna? 
Every time you and I sing that song, we are verbalizing that word. We are utilizing it. I wonder what it is. Maybe you already know that answer, but I hope if not that we might each have a clear understanding of some of these songs that we so frequently sing and that we might be able to sing them more passionately, sing them with a better understanding of what it is that's contained within it. Look at song number 43. The first two I selected likely a little bit more familiar than this one, but probably you've heard this one. In fact, as Brother Larry led the singing tonight, he led number 44. So it's only one song forward from the one I'm going to invite you to consider. It's entitled, All Glory, Laud, and Honor. Verse number 1 goes like this. All glory, laud, and honor to Thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring. One more time, that word hosanna has appeared. A little bit later in this book, there's actually a song that has that as its title. I believe it's song number 934. That's not one we usually sing, I admit. But as you look over at it, song number 934, it says, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Verse 2, glory, glory, glory to the King of kings. And then there is a refrain that follows. I mentioned all those things to say that we, at least on a number of occasions, make reference to the word Hosanna. And we might well again ask, what does that word mean? If you and I were called on to offer a definition, could we do it? If we were called upon to, in fact, offer some sentence in light of the words we're singing these songs, I trust that tonight we'll be able to do that perhaps better than we would have been able to do in the past. May I ask us to close that slide then, and let's use the rest of our lesson tonight, all of it, to give some thought to what that word and what that phrase means. As you turn to the next slide with me, may I call to your attention the fact that the word Hosanna occurs half a dozen times in the Bible, and every one of them are in the gospel accounts. Every one of them in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, as you'll pretty easily observe, we will readily find that they, it seems, are connected, for the most part, around one rather critical set of events. Would you turn with me to Matthew 21, and we will in fact invest a bit of our time tonight in reflecting upon the unforgettable events that happened in that chapter. Matthew chapter number 21. While you're turning to that location, let me remind you that the scenes we're about to read took place on Sunday. On Sunday, the very day of the week on which you and I are now assembled, it was that particular day on which the Master entered into the city of Jerusalem for the last time. May I say the last major time. He would be put to death on Thursday of that same week. But on Sunday is often what's called the triumphal entry. Let me begin reading in verse number 1. And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of him. 
and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and upon the foal of an ass. And the disciples went, and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set them their own. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. I hope that each of us perhaps can imagine, visualize what it is that's taking place. May I again suggest it's Sunday. Now, as you and I well remember it, this was the very scene, in fact, that is the echo of many Old Testament matters. You and I might remember that in the days of the children of Israel. The children of Israel were commanded on the tenth day of the first month to take up a lamb, and they were to keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, which was the Passover, and they were to kill it at the evening of that, of that particular day. We have now arrived at the tenth day of the month. The Passover will be four days later. Jesus was taken up, selected if you please, into the grand city of Jerusalem. He now was about to enter, and as they selected Him, they lauded Him and praised Him. But in the fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus gave order to two of His disciples to go and to, in fact, take a particular ass, and not only that, the colt that was tied with it. Jesus even told them, if the owner were to ask you, why do you loose the colt, you tell him, the master has need of him. In fact, they did ask. And you'll notice in verses 5 and following, they did, however, go and bring these animals just as Jesus commanded. And when they did, let's appreciate again that which takes place. Verse number 8 says, "...a very great multitude." Not just a few people, not just a handful, a very great multitude. They spread their garments in the way. They laid out, if you please, the red carpet for the Master. As they spread their garments in the way, Jesus was riding on this, this animal now. And you'll notice, others cut down branches from trees. They were so thrall, enthralled, they were so thrilled about the grandeur, the majesty of this King of Israel. May I ask you to appreciate the great turn of events that's going to happen within four days. Here they were honoring Him as the unsurpassed, unparalleled Great One. Four days later they'll put Him to death. May I ask you to also note, as they strolled these branches before Him, as they put their garments in the way. It says in verse number 9 that multitudes not only went before Him, they were leading the way of these animals on which the Master rode. Others were walking behind. There was a fantastic parade. The only thing in the parade worth anything was Jesus. How great He was. 
Notice also in verse number 9 what this multitude was exclaiming. The multitudes that went before and that followed, they cried out. They weren't just whispering these words. They weren't just mumbling them beneath their breath. They cried out saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. And not only that, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. There's that that word that is the subject of our lesson tonight. Hosanna. And you'll notice as they cried out this word, it was a word of adoration. It was a word of praise. It was a word of honor and dignity. A word of exquisite representative character to Jesus. You may notice on that slide... That word will occur a little bit later in the same chapter. May I direct your attention to verse number 15. It says here, And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, that he refers to Jesus, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were sore displeased. Those chief priests and scribes, they knew very well what the word Hosanna meant. It was a word of adoration and honor and great divine dignity. But yet even children were lauding it to Jesus. And these chief priests were angry, they were upset, they were displeased because they were under the illusion, the impression, that word was unbefitting to Jesus. May I ask each of us then to note, so far we've learned a great deal about this word Hosanna. It was a word of explicit adoration directed to Jesus. As you keep that in mind, what about some of the other usages of this word? Let's turn the slide over to the next one. At this point, may I invite you to consider Mark chapter 11. Now since this one is so very familiar, I'll not read all of that which goes into it. But in Mark chapter 11, we at least have one thing worthy of observation. This is Mark's accounting of that same triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Beginning in verse number 8 of Mark 11, it says, And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That phrase, Hosanna in the highest. Perhaps two things worthy of observation. To say in the highest would indicate that they lifted Jesus above any other entity to which they may have offered praise. Literally, the greatest of all praise on these two occasions was directed to Jesus the Christ. As you and I keep that in mind, might we again observe, this was the triumphal entry. And you could perhaps now see with me why it's often called the triumphal entry. At this time, as Jesus had arrived at Jerusalem, He was now, of course, literally ushered into the city, and they with open arms welcomed Him as a people. With open arms and with fantastic excitement. They offered to Him the highest of all praise, Hosanna. I have no doubt that you and I are very well aware again of how ironic it is that they so powerfully accepted Him now 
And yet four days later, they'd nail him to a cross. Remarkable, isn't it? And yet, at this point, could we pause and ask this? These two passages have so far noted that they cut down branches and they even use them to perhaps serve as boards along the way. The text doesn't exactly say what kind of branches it was. I'm sure all of us, though, would wonder, do you suppose it might have been olive? For after all, the Mount of Olives was not far away, and the olive tree from time immemorial had been a symbol of conquering peace, a symbol of character and matters concerning even the ancient tabernacle. Might it have been olive? It's just a suspicion. But the very least, you and I now know, they have heaped upon the Master the greatest of praise, Hosanna in the highest. You'll notice on the wall behind me, we come to John's accounting of this. Turn with me to John chapter 12. Here, as John gives us his accounting of these things, a few different elements and wording are mentioned. John chapter 12, I'll begin reading in verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches, and here we're told something about palm trees. Now, the earlier reference had been, of course, these kinds of branches. The identification that's herein made seemingly says that at least part of those that were utilized, it seems, included certain kinds of palm. It goes on to say, "...and went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord." And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, "'Fear not, daughter of Zion!' Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. Isn't it impressive that at the time they were doing these things, they didn't fully grasp the fullness of that which was being done. And they didn't appreciate the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. But it says that when Jesus was glorified, meaning that after He was resurrected, then they remembered these things and then they appreciated what it is that had been said and what it is that they had done. As you and I come to that particular slide, we've now looked at these various occurrences in which the word Hosanna has occurred. And every time we've noticed it connected to a word of adoration to Jesus. Let's be a bit more specific. Exactly what does the word mean? As you can see on the slide, the word, it seems, is a quotation of Psalm 118. And so, we would do well to turn to that chapter and read some of that which is found therein. Psalm 118, I'll read verses 25 and 26. That verse reads, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. The word Hosanna literally has two identifications that frequently go with it. 
One of them is the explicit meaning, save, we pray. Could it be that some of these individuals that were here using their clothes as things to mark the way of Jesus, could it be that some of them that were putting these branches along the way were in essence pleading with the Christ, we wish to make you as our king and we plead with you to save us from the Romans, to save us from any forces that may come against us. Perhaps that was a part of what some of them were thinking. It certainly doesn't seem as if it was everything that all of them were thinking. Because after all, what's the thrust of Psalm 118? Let's go back and put some of the features in place. Look at verse 22 of that same chapter. There is a clear reference to Christ, and it is in a context that each of us will understand. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. That will be quoted in the New Testament and explicitly applied to the Christ. The stone which the builders have rejected has been the one that God has made the chief cornerstone. Peter explicitly said that in 1 Peter chapter 2. And it also would be the thing that would occur more than once in that, in fact, what was stated even in Acts chapter 4. But for right now, you'll notice that's the very context in which verse 25, Save now. The phrase save now in Hebrew is the one that is translated into Greek, Hosanna. Save now, we beseech thee. Save now, we pray thee. It is when that regard, may I say that the word came to be utilized as an anthem of praise, as a word of strong adoration, a word of exulting praise and might. It would seem that in many ways, due to their usage of branches and their usage of, again, the strawing of their particular clothing, that that was at least a part of what many of them were thinking as they, in fact, were doing what they did there in Matthew 21. As you and I close that slide then, may I say it is in that way that we see its usage in those songs we noted earlier. The very first song I ask you to notice, Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. The very idea of the song is directing praise to Jesus. No wonder the word Hosanna then is very appropriate in that song. That is the very thing that one would anticipate. It's what they did. As the Lord was entering Jerusalem, that's what they were doing. I might ask, though, in what sense does that apply to you and me? Look again at verse number 4 of that same song, 532. Did you notice when will these Hosannas be offered? Again, that fourth verse reads, I'm sorry, the third verse. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals. Did you notice where it's taking place? This anthem of praise is directed in heaven. In other words, it's not something that just literally tied to the events there that were taking place in Matthew 21 or even in Mark 11 or even in John 12. It says, Heavenly portals, loud with Hosanna's ring, Jesus, Savior, reigneth forever and ever. Crown Him, crown Him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming. 
over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. As you and I might well note, and it'll be the last part of our lesson tonight, it is a set of ideas about the nature of one of the grandest and one of the most wonderful activities in which you and I will be engaged when we arrive at heaven. Consider these things with me. Will you and I, when we make it to heaven, will we sing hosannas to the Christ? Will we offer adorative hosannas to Jesus, the Son of God, the one who, as our elder brother, the one who, in fact, is spoken of within the pages of the Word of God? Consider with me passages like Revelation 5, verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. He will be entirely deserving of our anthem of praise. Even now, is He not deserving? When we, in fact, sing praises to Him, we adore Him, we love Him, we honor Him, we're thankful to Him. And may I suggest that that will carry over into our efforts throughout eternity. That text we just noted in Revelation 5, if you wish, go ahead and look at the very next verse. I know Revelation 5.13 is not as familiar to us, but the reading of it is almost overwhelming. Revelation 5, verse 13, it reads as follows. Right after that statement I just made, and I'll go ahead and read it again, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Now remember, that Lamb is Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Every creature will in fact not be able to withhold the praise that shall be offered unto God, and not be able to withhold praise that's offered unto Jesus. The word Hosanna certainly fits. I've asked you to consider, though, a few additional ones as well. What did John say? John himself is called that burning and shining light in John 5.35, and yet in John 3 verse 30, John said, He, speaking of Christ, must increase, and I must decrease. John knew how great the Christ was. In fact, earlier in Luke chapter 1, it had been said of him, as exclaimed on that occasion, just how marvelous would be the salvation offered through the Christ. To that, might we add this one in Luke eleven thirty one? Jesus made this statement as He Himself taught concerning ancient cities and the judgment that was to come. He said, Nineveh repented of the preaching of Jonah, but a greater than Jonah is here. Furthermore, in regard to Solomon, he pointed out the greatness of Solomon, but quickly stated that a greater than Solomon is here. 
Jesus, you see, is greater than any of the other characters in the Bible. As often as you and I may look to Abraham or to Noah or to Moses or to David, all of them pale in comparison to the Christ. None of them died on a cross for the sins of the world. None of them came down from heaven as a son of God. None of them were resurrected in the same way the Christ was, and none of them can usher individuals into heaven. None of them will serve as the great judge on that last day. Might you and I notice, Jesus, however, does satisfy all of that. In terms of Hosanna, look at the next one. In 1 Timothy 6.15, although that word isn't found in the verse, listen to the greatness of Paul's statement. Speaking of the Christ, he said, "...which shall show unto us the things of God." And then he uses these words, "...the blessed and only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords." I know you and I don't use the word potentate very much because we're rather aware that some in denominational circles and others who are misguided may well use that word. But Paul used it, and he referred to Christ with it. That phrase refers to Jesus. He is King of kings, He is Lord of lords, and He is the blessed and only potentate. I wonder what the word potentate means. You probably could have guessed it. It means sovereign. It means ruler. Jesus is the one and only ruler. No wonder it would be fair for us to offer hosannas to Him now and to appreciate how wonderfully we shall be able to offer them to Him when we're able to be with Him in heaven. As you and I close that slide, it is then worthy of a question, a question that's a bit challenging for all of us. Do you and I then think about using the word Hosanna in the correct way? Jesus is not to be addressed as merely an equal to us. He is not our equal. He is far greater than we. He is the potentate. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is deserving of our Hosannas. I hope that we'll never lose sight of what those words and those songs mean. Because when we voice them, they truly are appropriate. And I would suggest that as we praise Jesus, our Savior, that is something we can look forward to doing throughout all eternity. We'll never run out of energy and we'll never run out of excitement for doing it. We shall offer to Him the hosannas that fill our spirit because we realize without Him we would not be where we are. Hosanna in the highest. This evening, as we've studied about that, might we offer a moment of invitation. Those individuals in Mark chapter 11, they pronounced Hosanna in the highest. There are many instances today in which that word finds such frequent usage. As I attempted to make preparation for the lesson, I just did a quick search on Google. There are thousands of songs that have the word Hosanna in it. Many of them do not have, of course, the thrust and meaning of the three I pointed out in our songbook. But nonetheless, the words that we have utilized as we use that word Hosanna is truly a biblical idea. And we can sing that song with such passion and excitement. I hope that we'll do that always with the meaning of our heart and understand how appropriate that word is. 
tonight, if you and I have reached the point in life when maybe that word has lost its luster, we haven't sung it the way we should. If you need to go to God privately in prayer and ask His forgiveness and to heighten your appreciation, I know you'd be benefited by doing that. But if in a public way, if you have engaged in activities that others know about and you wish to beseech God's forgiveness and you want others to know about your desire, we'd be honored to pray to God on your behalf tonight. In fact, from that point onward, you'd be able to use that word Hosanna in such a beautiful and passionate way. Tonight, if we could be of any assistance in any way, we would let, ask you to let us know how we can help you while together we stand and while we sing.